All right, we got here Carlo Cisco, founder and CEO of Select Card. When I saw Carlo come by with the agency that we work with, I was like, dude, we got to get this guy on. I've been probably targeted by ads from Select for, for a while now, and I really want to dive deeper in. And who, who better to teach us more about the, the whole program than the founder and CEO of it? So thank you so much for taking the time to come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. So let's just dive right into it. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your story and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Sure. Uh, yeah, my background is a little all over the place, um, but but it all like interestingly correlates with Select. Um, so I started my first business when I was 18. I had an event planning and promotion business while I was in school at University of Miami, mostly doing like large scale kind of like 100 to 1000 plus person um, events. Uh, at the same time, I was a finance major, so had positions across various areas of finance, uh, ultimately moved up to New York, got a job in equity trading, um, got into that because I had done well investing during school, but realized pretty quickly that equity trading is basically the opposite of investing. So while it was a lot of fun and really exciting to be um, in financial markets every day, you know, I wasn't as into the short-term focus and, and kind of like capitalizing on market movements. I had done big by betting big on things I really believed in, like Apple was my first stock back in 2005, put my whole savings account in it, and it worked out pretty awesome. Um, so you know, about a year and a half into the equity trading gig, um, was getting the entrepreneur bug again, but I didn't really know anyone in the startup space. Um, and kind of out of nowhere, an acquaintance of mine got a job with Groupon. Um, and this is back in 2010. Groupon was in the process of becoming the fastest growing company in history by revenue. Um, so reached out to congratulate him. A few fun interviews later, ended up moving out to Japan, helping set up Groupon in Japan, which was a really incredible uh, experience. And then, um, you know, came back here, did a few other startup things, started my first real tech startup, a, a you know, company called Food Fan, restaurant search uh, and, you know, and discovery engine. Uh, and then, you know, a few years after that, basically decided to transition control to other co-founders and, and start on Select. And, and Select is, um, you know, really at our core, a digital membership and concierge service. We connect people with exclusive events, savings and perks at over 1.3 million locations all across the world. Um, so it's a lot different than what people would typically see from rewards or benefits of, of the past or, or of other kinds, if you will. Uh, everything's ongoing. Everything is uncapped on Select, um, so you can use it as much as you want. The merchants and brands are curated, so we've got Michelin-starred restaurants in every U.S. city they're awarded, for example. We've also got global brands like BMW or Hyatt. Um, it's a pretty wide reach of stuff, and then the benefits tend to be pretty significant. So they're not like the Groupon level deal, but they're better places ongoing, totally seamless, use it however you want, all as much as you want. Um, and they're way, way, way better than sort of the traditional um, credit card type rewards where it's like three to five X or maybe like a 10% or maybe some like one time 30 bucks or, or, or whatever the heck um, kind of like games those those all do today. Um, so we kind of carved out our, our own space uh, in large part and, and certainly for a program of our uh, size and scale. So, you know, you, you, you start with Groupon, which is one of the fastest, fastest growing companies in history, and they, they filled a major need for the marketplace. What specific gap did you see that was unfilled and how did that lead to select card and like how were you able to go to market like what 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 was the gap that you were trying to fill initially 
Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, definitely part of the inspiration came from that experience, right? And then the huge takeaway I had from that was that there was a huge demand for a new way for merchants and customers to connect. Um, and that was obvious in, in how fast uh, Groupon really rocketed. Um, you know, some listeners might not be familiar with that rise. Um, you know, others might. Um, but, but, I actually still think it's the fastest growing company in history by revenue. I don't think anything's been able to pass it yet with all the decades of VC expanding and, and all that stuff. Um, so, so there's definitely a, a need filled there. I felt like that model wasn't the correct model for premier brands or venues or premier customers, actually. Um, so there wasn't really quality control. Uh, in terms of like what was offered and perhaps that's unfair to say, but not the level of quality control I would want as a customer. Um, it's also often riddled with stipulations. These things expire, they're one-time use. So that doesn't you know, encourage repeat visits. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's great for introducing a customer to a business. And in some business use cases that can make sense. But in the case of like a Michelin starred restaurant, does it make sense to do a deal in that structure, whether it's Groupon, Gilt or anyone else? Absolutely not. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Um, however, on the flip side, you know, what we've done is created a membership program. People have to apply for access. They have to pay a fee. But then in exchange, the value they get is totally uncapped. Um, so some members, uh, you know, they pay a 450 annual fee and they get over $20,000 in, in value. And, and really that number can be anything. It just depends on how you live your life, what you spend, whatever. But, um, you know, that'd be near impossible to do with anything besides select. Um, so, so that's where we kind of saw the sweet spot is like, hey, let's not create like one-off relationships that maybe aren't good for either party. Let's create these lasting relationships that are great for everybody um, and, you know, that kind of endure over time. So, so I'm going to, I'll preface this with, with the fact that Antonio has done some research and has known about Select for a while. This is yeah. I purposely went into this completely blind did not, and, and to ask kind of fundamental questions. I know our listeners, there, there may be a, a good bit of them that have never heard of this new yeah. structure, this new build out. So correct me if I'm, if I'm missing it, right? So it's a membership-based piece and it, you, you can use it for everyday spending. It's a credit card. You can use that card for everyday spending. Is that aligned with like Visa, like Goldman Sachs, MasterCard? Like what's the... Yeah, so, so so good question. Um, so up until this point, and literally two weeks ago, um, it's only been a membership. So there was not a, a payment product. There wasn't um, you know spend attached or anything like that. Now, um, in an invitation only beta, we do have the Select World Elite Mastercard. So that's a partnership with Mastercard, um, basically to design. A, well not designed because now it exists, uh, a credit card that has all of our unique benefits, right? Plus like a 2% cash back across close to everything and all the benefits that come with um, MasterCard's World Elite tier. Um, and that will steadily roll out um, over the coming months, coming years. Uh, of course, uh, the membership itself isn't going anywhere. That's going to profitably double this year. Um, so we're pretty excited about what we're seeing with the membership, but we do think ultimately um, when it comes to direct consumer, uh, we do think the credit card is going to be the bigger application of, of the model. That's, that's exciting. That's awesome. So, okay. So uh, I apply for membership. I get approved. I've got my card. What does that experience look like? Does it, does geographic, does geography matter where I'm located in the world? Uh, like what's that, you know, 
experience like for, for the customer? Yeah. Um, so, so basically, uh, I think we have members in about 12 countries right now. We only market in the U.S. and we tend to focus our marketing um, in the areas where we have a restaurant program. Um, restaurants are one of the absolute toughest pieces uh, of this and, and nightlife. That's kind of where you know most companies don't try or they fail or, or whatever. Um, so we really try to focus our marketing where um, we feel that we can have the most possible value. Um, and then if people hear about it for through word of mouth or want to join from other areas, great. You know, like that's that's totally totally up to them. Um, but, um, you know, the experience overall, like it, it is kind of the same, you know, it's going to be, um, I think the more frequent use cases like dining are going to be more prevalent in the markets where that's available. However, like it's really easy to get an ROI just from the hotel program. That's a global program. Um, now we also have activities and experiences globally. A bunch of our retail brands are global brands. So like Tumi and Maui Gym and, and some of these others are available globally. A lot of travel stuff is available globally. Um, and then there's other stuff that's like available kind of across the U.S. So BMW is one of those examples. Obviously, that's a global company, but our relationship is with BMW Corporate U.S. Um, and then a lot of the other like lifestyle brands, whether it's like a Caraway, which is maybe like an innovative kind of high growth um, brand or, or really any of the others uh, in that category. So, so it can vary a little bit based on location, um, but depending on what your spend pattern is, what you like to do, it can be pretty hard to you know not recoup the fee if you travel at all. And like, there's definitely multiple things in lifestyle now where it's easy to recoup the fee. Like we have a lot of pets, so Chewy uh, is a big one for 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 us. Um, and then there's also some newer like food and drink type of brands that are on there, Health Aid, Chomps, um, Can, and, and some others. Um, so, so it can be pretty easy to recoup the fee even just with those. So how does this work in terms of like, is it designed to replace the need for looking to optimize credit cards to get points? Like what, what's, what's like, let's say I want to get, like I'm, I'm trying to maximize the points on right now, my Amex gold card, right? Yeah. To optimize my travel. How do I rather supercharge it with your service or does your service replace that? It can do either, depending on how you decide to use it, sure. um, membership or the credit card. Um, okay. So um, so, so part, part of the goal with the credit card, um, one is to help people consolidate annual fees. Um, just about all of our members are paying for at least one credit card, maybe multiple. Um, and, you know, like they're all like tend to be good for like certain things. Right. Um, so, so the way that we can like supercharge an existing card that you have is you can just use it with the membership, get all the stuff that you would normally get, pay for a membership. Average member redeems over 3x the annual fee. So there's a high ROI just with that. Plus, you're getting access to our concierge, some you know pretty cool events that we do. Fashion Week is happening right now. We did a huge yacht event during F1. Um, so, so there's a lot of pretty cool stuff even beyond the raw dollar value of it. Um, now that said, like part of what we wanted to do with our card was remove the games and confusion and like all the frankly BS that, that these companies do in the industry. And, and they've been able to get away with it effectively because it's a very hard industry to get into. <laughs> there are not a lot of startup credit cards. You see tons of startup trading apps, debit cards, basically everything else. But when you're talking about credit lines, um, and other things, it's pretty hard to get that set up really like 
luxury car and built are probably like the only examples and luxury car is super old and uh you know built is new but you know it's uh mostly about rent uh effectively um so so part of what we wanted to do was get rid of all of that so like obviously the card has all the same benefits as the membership and then it's got like a two percent uncapped cash back across close to everything we had to exclude a couple of categories there initially utilities um groceries and uh service industries which is like contractors will probably just frankly move that to two percent because it's not going to be a lot of spend um but we need to see um ultimately um so so we kind of designed that to be a replacement um you know it's not going to be the games of the past where like amex is actually a great example if you want to redeem your amex points for cash it's not you know a point is a penny it's a point is 60 percent of a penny um so it's kind of like the ultimate game from them despite them having the highest interchange revenue uh which is a little effed up if you think about it but um we don't like games so we did the cash back it's uncapped if you want it automatically in your account every month so you don't even have to log in to redeem it do that too um, so, so we don't really want people to have to think about that. We don't need to make money from that. Like other startups might need to. Um, so, you know, we've got a few advantages there. I love it. Well, you got, you got clients in us, so, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll be hopping the website after this. So t- tell, tell me, take me back to when you first started. Cause I know you said it's a very tough landscape to crack. Yeah. When you, when you're first starting out, what was the biggest challenge that you were facing? Was it acquiring customers or acquiring partners? Because I know high-end luxury brands, their their need for more business, like they're trying to keep it luxury. So they're not dying for new referral partners. That's if right. they're great, great. But like, who's this new guy, Carlo? Like, what the hell are you doing? What could, what what can you provide me? So so tell us a little bit more about how you were able to foster those relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, and it's a great question. Like initially, we were really selling the vision pretty much. Um, we're like, we think this is going to be a better way for you know, brands and customers to form lasting relationships. Um, You know, like we know you don't need more business, but you would probably benefit from better business more often, right? Um, And like, even if you think about a Michelin-starred restaurant, it's just like a good anecdotal example that that a lot of people um, understand, but it could also be a trendy spot like SDK or Tao or or whatever. Um, You know, maybe the tables are full, right? And we definitely have some of those restaurants. Um, but because people have to apply, because they have to pay a fee, especially if the um, you know benefit and, and it can vary, but like what always does the best for a restaurant for spend is actually if they do a discount, it can be a little counterintuitive, but like, if you know, you're going to save 20, 25, 30%, like you might order an extra round of drinks or an extra appetizer or whatever the case may be, stay there longer versus go to the next place. Um, so like our average spend tends to be like higher, um, than the average of the place because of all these different reasons, the membership fee, the application, the, the way the incentives align. Um, so over time it became easier because the model proved itself. Um, but initially we were really kind of like selling a vision of how we felt the world should work more or less. And, and it just like, kind of like steadily, um, bend things, um, towards that. And it is a, you know, setup where, you know, there's a lot of marketplaces, um out there they're always hard um you know in this case we felt like the businesses needed to lead um we don't charge businesses to participate ever um there's some instances where we get like affiliate revenue back but almost always we give that right back to the customers um just like the interchange from the card we don't care about that we don't need that um so um so yeah that's that's basically how it's like grown out over time the other thing that happens of course too and this is true for anybody 
there's always a herd mentality, you know? So like once you have like a few marquee things in a given industry, like that makes brands um, more likely to want to participate when they see their competitors there. Um, and then, you know, like one of the secret difficulties of this model is like, we have to understand the nuances of all these different industries and be able to interact with all these different types of companies. Um, so that's one of the things where like a lot of companies just kind of misstep, especially with hospitality, because it's so different from any other form. Um, yeah, really. for sure. So, so share with us the landscape of how you navigate the competition in your space. I have to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, Founders Card sounds like they're probably the top competition, sure. yeah. right? So so how are you able to navigate that? Let's say uh, they've landed a partnership with someone that you wanted. Like, do, do you have partnerships with the same the same restaurants? Like, what's that look like? Yeah, so, so interestingly, they don't um, do restaurants at all. Um, never have, likely never will. Um, Founders Card is really run as a lifestyle business. Um, where, where I have to give them credit, though, is like that's really the first time that I can think of where a company went out, approached good brands, good brands and services and said, hey, we want something significant for our members that's ongoing. Um, so they, they really did lead the charge there. That was like 2008. Um, so um, you know, they did a good job with that. Um, we definitely have overlap in some categories, lifestyle, hotels, uh, travel, um, probably business services. That's a smaller category for us. Founders card will be a little better for that. But in hotels, for example, we're like a hundred times bigger than them. Um, so it really just depends on how, um, you use something, but I would say that's the most direct competitor for the membership by far. Um, you know, I applaud them for what they've done. We're just trying to take it a step further and make sure that we're like improving someone's daily life where I feel it's like a lot of their stuff is a bit situational, maybe not as frequent use, you know, not as, as meaningful. It can still be a great ROI, but, but perhaps not as meaningful. So when, when starting out, I know we keep going back to the start out and the startup side of things, a lot of our listener base as we've alluded to, young entrepreneurs just getting started, about to take the leap. What was, you know, some, I imagine you had a ton of experience, as you had mentioned before you dove into this, right? It's it's almost like Select is the culmination of your professional experiences in 100%. In some, some crazy, beautiful way, right? It's, but, but what was that initial, you know, startup cap raise like, you know, did you have a lot of connections already in places? You already know who to call. Like, what did that process look like for you? What, is that, what did that timeline look like for you to actually get to a place where you go from pre-rev to hitting the market and, you know? Great, great question. And, and I think like super useful for everybody, right? And like everyone's situation is going to be a little different. So, so one of the things I mentioned earlier is I did well investing during college. Um, that really carried like the 6K I put into Apple. Plus I put like some revenue from the events business into the market that ended up becoming like hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time I was 23. Um, so whatever the, you know, is in like the 40% or whatever. So, so I had a decent amount of capital. So I was able to kind of like kick off food fan, kick off select on my own. I didn't have to talk to anybody. Um, then the next step is, is the same step it is for just about every entrepreneur who's being practical, which is friends and family, right? Like you need to like go to people who actually know you, um, and this is like a good tip too, is like, if you haven't had a previous exit, you are not going to get money for an idea. Um, it's very, very, very unlikely. You could maybe get into an accelerator program, maybe, 
but you're like applying against people who are generating revenue or have over a million users or whatever the case is. And those are accelerators. Those are designed to be early. Um, the reality is startup costs have come down over time. So investors' expectations have gone up. Now, the fortunate thing for people starting now versus when I did is the valuations are a bit higher. So, so once you do have a little bit of traction, um, you know, you can actually go out and raise it like a decent valuation. Um, so, so that's kind of a new thing that's cool. Um, you know, one tip for doing friends and family, um, I would recommend doing it as a safe. Uh, so that's a, a simple agreement for future equity. Um, some people might be familiar with convertible notes. Those are similar, but they're a debt instrument. And like the interest on that can be complicated for everybody. No, no one really kind of wins. So like the post post money safe is good for everybody. Um, it makes sure your friends and family aren't going to be investing at a higher valuation than wherever the real, you know, sort of more seasoned investors ultimately put money in um, and it gives them an easy, fast way to give you money to, to like go build and try your idea. Um, so, so in our case, um, you know, with the friends and family, we were able to get, and my capital, we were able to get up and running. Um, we did have paying customers. We didn't do free betas. We didn't think we would learn the same way from free customers that we would with paid. So like we literally set up a table at New York Tech Day, pitched people, signed people up that day. Um, got paying customers. Um, you know, we did have a marketplace problem at first uh, where there were just way more businesses than customers. We ended up solving that with a deal with this uh, company, UDR, which is a publicly traded REIT. They bought memberships for a few of their buildings uh, before we launched. Um, and then like with that traction, what we were starting to see direct consumer, we, we did uh, a program, Entrepreneurs Roundtable Accelerator, which is, you know, maybe the top uh, accelerator in New York. We were based in New York. I didn't want to make anybody move. We already had a business. We already had customers. We had a publicly traded B2B client <laughs> uh, you know, before before we launched. It was also in New York. Um, so I wasn't going to move. But but that said, if you don't have those things all concentrated in a location like that, like Y Combinator, 500 Startups, um, Techstars, those are all good programs, as is ERA. I, I would recommend any of them. And that's a great way to get in front of more investors. Um, and that certainly helped in our case. Um, the other thing that helped is basically once we took the bet on direct consumer marketing, we did start growing kind of fast. So there were like a couple sort of friendly investors I, I met through um, this organization, Start Out, which is like LGBTQ focused or, or whatever, um, where they're like casual coffee uh, catch ups. And I remember, um, you know, like one of them was like, oh, so what's revenue this month? And like for a while, it's like 2K, 2K, 3K. And then it's like, oh, it's 10K. Oh, it's 20. Oh, it's 40. It's like, wait, what? You know, like what's what's happening here? Um, you know, like we should bring you in. Um, it's like, cool. Like we just got into ERA too. So like, yeah, this is like great. Great timing. Um, so that's what kind of kicked it off, really. Um, you know, and that's where the accelerators help a lot. It draws a lot of eyeballs, draws a lot of attention. But ultimately, traction is what investors care the most about by far. Um, you know, the vision has to be big enough. Um, that's basically it. <laughs> like if you have a big enough market, a cool enough vision, a good enough product with some initial metrics, um, preferably revenue, um, then you can start to raise money, and and we did. Safe to say, Carlo knows his shit. <laughs> um, so, to, you know, as we near the wrap up point, would love to know, like, what does your role look like? How has that evolved? Because I know when you're first starting, like, your role is everything. But how yeah. have you went about building your team and then getting yourself 
in your own zone of creative genius and then maybe like building out the sales team or people that are, you know, in the relationship side and t- tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a great question. And something, you know, some people might not realize before they start a business too, is like your role is whatever needs to be done. Um, now that said, in the case of select, I had a little bit of a, of a benefit where I kind of pulled people from food fan to go start select with me. So I had a couple salespeople, I had a couple engineers. Um, that was one of the benefits of, of having started something else before starting this. Um, but, but really I would say, you know, like if you're not technical, then the most important person is a technical <laughs> hire. Um, if you uh, are technical, then the most important person might be a business person. Um, you know, it really just uh, depends. So you do need those complementary skills and, and as early as you can. Um, but, um, you know, the, the reality of things is, uh, you know, companies at different stages, they need different people at different stages you just got to get the best people um, that are the most important for the stage that you're at. Uh, that can evolve over time for sure, as has my role. Um, so I, I haven't you know, done a lot of the restaurant partnerships, for example. I've done some, um, but um, you know, that's mostly been the team. Same with all the other benefit categories, frankly. Um, but uh, for example, I've and a lot of the marketing, we're like just now starting to, and we've tried consultants at varying points. They just didn't drive the same performance. So like, um, you know, we're just now starting to like work with consultants a bit more because I can't quite scale in the way that the company needs to scale from a, from a marketing perspective. Um, you know, I've always managed the sales team. We actually had uh, a time where I wasn't really managing the concierge team. And then I decided at one point to dig deep. Now the concierge team is a lot stronger, right? So um, you know, it really depends. I think it's good to touch every area of your business, but you can't actively run every area of your business. And that's really important to know. And, and definitely one of the things that supercharged us the last couple of years is having awesome tech, um, having awesome engineers. Um, you know, not that we didn't before, but we've never been quite like this. Um, and that lets sort of like my craziness um, become reality a bit more efficiently. To, so to your point about creativity, um, I have horrible ADD. Um, so uh, so this is almost on this, uh, on this, on this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's not hard for me to like jump around and focus on a million different things. Kind of perfect. Um, and I also like, you know, a lot of the creative stuff that we do that works is ultimately coming from me. And I do try to like allow myself some time to like, just like think about that. If I'm, you know, whatever it's called, like my pre-war uh, walk, I view every day is like war basically, but war for our customers. So it's fun. Um, and uh, so, so whether it's that or just like, you know, sitting around or at the desk, like kind of brainstorming some things, like I do give myself time for that because sometimes there's things that like, will meaningfully move the needle um, for the whole company. So it is important to, to do, um, you know, some of that. And thankfully for me, it kind of comes easy. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. So this is a question you probably get asked at least once a week, but we have to ask it. Like, what is the vision that you, that you have for yourself, for your company? And then also, like, how do you navigate, like, making sure the decisions that are getting made inside your organization are in alignment with your vision? Because being in your role, right, you know, your business is doing a ton of revenue, you've had a ton of experience, but a lot of shiny objects are getting thrown your way on a daily basis, I imagine. Like, how do you, like, what is your vision and how do you make sure that all your decisions inside and outside your organization, your world are in alignment with that vision? 
Yeah. Um, awesome question. So like the mission of the company is to <clears throat> basically improve people's lives by improving the way businesses and customers connect. So that's the like succinct, like one line mission ties back to everything we've been talking about. If you, if you think about it, right. Um, and then in terms of like where I see it, you know, I think from day one, for example, we always wanted to do a credit card. Like the, the only part of the model we've introduced that wasn't planned are events. Um, and we, we just saw that there was a really ambitious community that we thought would like to connect and, and turns out they do. Um, but, but core thing for me is that like, you know, right now finance and lifestyle are sort of like apart, right? They're like on opposite spectrums. I think they should come together. I think the tools that enable our lives should help make them better. Um, I think we do that. I think we do that better than anybody else ever can, ever will. Um, so that's where we're relentlessly focused. Um, you know, I think we've definitely got the best benefits platform at this point in the world, most likely. I don't know, you know, country specific. I'm sure there's some things that might be better in other countries for that specific country, but in terms of a global program or, or here in the U.S., definitely there. And, and that's why, you know, we're able to get the credit card done. That's why we've now got this rollout. We're doing FanDuel. We're powering benefits for some of their most important customers. And, and we'll see more and more of that kind of stuff um, with us too. But, you know, long story short, um, I always think that if you're going to do this journey and it's not an easy journey, uh, you know, all sorts of bad stuff is going to happen, all sorts of stress, all sorts of you know, it's not like I don't have like negative things that happen every day, every day, something's going to go wrong. Um, that's fine. You need to be ready for all of that. But, but, you know, I think the goal is create the largest company with the absolute most impact possible. Um, I, you know, perhaps at some point we'll exit to someone. We've seen a lot of interest in that over the years. Um, you know, not something we're interested in for now. Doesn't mean we never will be. Um, and I think we'll keep expanding what we do. Um, you know, the membership is cool. The credit card is cool. Um, it's not a membership company. It's not a credit card company. It's really at the end of the day, an ecosystem. Um, and uh, there's a lot more stuff we're excited to build in. I've already started talking about private market investments, for example. I think that's a cool new way to let businesses and customers connect. And it's one of those areas of the market that you know gen z millennials are way more into than previous generations so as wealth starts to change hands it's pretty interesting it's also interesting when you like look at the stats and realize venture is like at least on average based on what i've seen you know whatever um the highest average return of any major asset class um why do people get killed because they don't get into the right deals um, who can get people into the right deals? Us. We can use our investors. Um, plus, we're a pretty cool value-add investor. We've got all of these different members. We've got all these different businesses. Um, so that's one example of a new area I'm excited to get into. But um, ultimately, we're just kind of focused on impact, focused on what we can do for our customers, for the businesses that use the platform, um, and see how far we can take it, basically. I love it. I love it. We're excited to you know, watch the journey unfold and be a part of it because uh, I'm pretty confident that we're going to head to the select.com <laughs> and, uh, and go be, become members. So thank you so much for your time, man. How, how can our listeners connect? How can they follow you? You know, what's the best way that our ecosystem could support? Yeah, for sure. Um, so membership site is just meetselect.com. Um, you know, check things out there. We actually have a different site for the credit card. It's selectcard.co. Um, that's still in like an invitation only mode, but you can get on the wait list. Um, you know, if you want the credit card instead, 
Um, select on most channels is going to be select card or the select card. I'm always my name, Carlos Cisco. I keep it pretty easy. Um, so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Carla. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. It was a lot of fun.